were bad, but now they're okay. Only me or my, you're the apple of my eye, girl. I never loved one like you. Found you hiding here, so won't you take my hand, darling? There's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular, Lar. Servant 18, and we were rewinding it to 10 years ago. We are now back in the land of 2009, where everything was not as innocent. (laughs) Different. (laughs) Different. It's not different, but maybe it is. (laughs) And joining me is a blast from the past because you've heard them not that long ago. Are my lovely guests. Such an introduction. <laughs> we are crushing this. Is it turn? Is it time? Should I start? Hi there. I'm Snarky Hag. Back at you. <laughs> and I am Mel. Uh, I just yelled that. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> You're enthusiastic. I'm, I'm pointing as well. I'm pointing as I yell it. Um, Forty-seven. <laughs> And I'm RB, and I'm surreptitiously reading the entry for this episode on the Glee Wiki because I was under the wrong impression as to what episode I was recording today and did not currently prepare. <laughs> Thanks, guys! Hmm. <laughs> All right. So, we're back in 2009 because we were doing 2009. And um, this is an alternate look at the pilots. So, um, yeah, if you guys all remember the pilot, and that's why we did the pilot script, so you have a refresher. Well, you can forget all of that, because most of this is just, you know, not... It's pilot a, adjacent. It's pilot adjacent. It's all the stuff it that you didn't see. swims in between. 
<laughs> it's like somebody read the wiki entry and then decided to write their own fanfic, but it wasn't on AO3. It was back on fanfic.net. Well, I, I mean, it's like they took what their show was by this by the end of season six and said this is the pilot for the show for the season for the what it would be if we were doing this the is pilot, the pilot for, for the show you've got. Not yeah. the pilot for the show that we thought we were doing. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. So, however, we do open it up where Will enthusiastically comes back saying that he's going to do Glee Club. And there we have not Emma, but Terry. <laughs> and, a Freddy, glue gun. and a glue gun. I love it. It is iconic. Terry. They open the door open and it's just her with a glue gun. Oh my god! Like it just lifts like a weapon. Yeah, (laughs) she was everything. Everything great about her came back in that one little distilled moment. Oh my goodness! (sighs) So she's in their second bedroom. That's a craft room. That's just her craft room. Remember, they needed to get a bigger house because she was going to have a baby because she didn't want to give up her craft room. Or not (laughs) exactly. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I mean I feel like that like really kicks it off. Like, hey guys, we are back at the beginning here. Um mm-hmm. and they they really had to sell it because um we're gonna talk about Kurt in a second. <laughs> so anyway, all right. So the nice thing about this episode, it kind of like does it 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 focuses on the characters who weren't really uh except for Rachel. Um, weren't really the focus of the original pilot and all of the characters that we kind of grew to know and love um, over the course of the series and we're getting getting their stories and it kicks off with Kurt um, why don't we describe if we're going to the plot let's talk about Kurt and uh, Chris and um, how you can't go backwards in time <laughs> <laughs> they tried to put that genie back in the bottle it did yeah. not work I it mean it was work. adorable it was adorable <laughs> and I loved it because it was strange and wonderful. And there are actually a few times when he legitimately wears the clothes from before. And it's like, well, that's tighter. <laughs> it's tighter. <laughs> it is. It's, it's tighter. Um, but it was, uh, it was like a very satisfying um, vision in your mind of like a fanfic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's um, you can tell that Chris is even doing the mannerisms that he was very careful about doing in the first season, like holding himself in a very specific way, doing his voice a little higher. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, he aside from the fact that his body is very different and his face is very different, he really nailed season one, Kurt, and the whole way that they had him behaving, especially those first two episodes. His voice is higher. His mannerisms are totally on point. It's just, uh, I just it was a delight as a Kurt fan. Um, it was a delight to watch. And and yeah, and the, the whole kind of us joking about his um, not being able to look like he did 10 years ago. Well, I guess it's only six years at this point. Um, it doesn't detract from the performance or the story that we get here. But I, it is funny that out of all of the kids, you know, everybody grew and changed. But... Chris definitely did the most and Kurt definitely did the most and and you you can't go backwards. I mean, once you've crossed that threshold, uh there's really no looking back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. for a lot of them they just put them in like they they did Amber's hair a particular way. They put Tina and Artie in particular clothes. They put Rachel in those clothes from the actual <laughs> pilot that are so awful. Yeah, they did something um, with her eyebrows too. There's she's a little bit 
different yeah. like their and makeup they did, and stuff. They did a bunch of stuff that was just like really appealing and funny and it made it seem like you know, like when someone has a haircut from like two years ago, but then it's like they took this twenty five year old and tried to say he was a sixteen year old where he looked like a sixteen year old then. Um yeah. but Yeah. Um and there's also like if they would have had Ken Tanaka playing uh Finn. That's true. I'm surprised they didn't bring Ken Tanaka back too. But anyway, um, they also, it's kind of funny because Kurt in season one has one haircut, but in this particular episode, he's got all of the haircuts. It feels like they, they hit every haircut that he had in, in season two. Cause he went through a bunch in season two. Um, and so it's just a lot of different haircuts that I thought was kind of it interesting. It's up, it's down, it's kind it's of side. moving around. I think maybe also like his hair had grown up. He has, oh, that's I'll true. just get like creepy. Um, so Chris Colfer has really, really thick hair. And so it kind of naturally does the updo thingy on its own. And I think to try and beat that back down into season one hair when your hair has grown out a little bit is just incredibly difficult. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So maybe okay. this is it, trying to figure out the hairstyle that he was going to wear for that school year. Yeah, that's true. So to, sorry, he was figuring out, out a lot. On his hairstyle. <laughs> Um, we have, uh, so kind of going to the plot, we, we start off and Kurt's very much on his own. Um, he's still getting, you know, he's definitely getting bullied. Um, we see Karoski and Puck come back who they both really embody those bully roles pretty well. <laughs> um, yeah. and it was quite jarring to see Karoski sort of back in that, that way after the way his character had been established that season, like earlier that season. To sort of see him back to where it was, like, oh. and Puck looks so old. He's got yeah. his like eyes look like, oh, you're an old man. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he is an old man. <laughs> so that's but, fair. And I mean, it, it does kind of harken back to you know all of those you know like CW shows that cast thirty year olds as teenagers. It feels normal for television. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so he's, and he, you know, it's kind of nice. They talk about, you know, how he has a voiceover about how he's doing in school and he mentions that his, you know, he mentions his mom and how his mom thought he was such a sweet kid and high school sucks. And then he runs into Emma and they have a weird exchange. And, and I mean, there is a moment where he takes a flyer about, you know, the darker thoughts that he's been thinking and it kind of confirms that Glee Club really did save his life. Is that the pamphlet that's called, uh, like, End It All, Pros and Cons? Yeah. I love that pamphlet. (laughs) Just that there's pros and cons. (laughs) I love that her her pamphlets were back. Well, she was back. When's the last time we really got to see Emma as, you know, more than just, you know, anything than, you know, Will's wife? I mean, yeah. She hadn't been part of that school in so long. And, and you know, shout out to Jamie Mays, who just jumps right back in. Like, yeah. she's exactly the same. Like her little rant about, feelings don't take vacations. They work in 24-hour shifts. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and, yeah, like, he's a sophomore and nobody's really noticed him in his entire freshman year. I mean, even Emma was like... Um, oh, I didn't know that you've you know, been here. But, uh, you know, I give her credit for noticing the sh- what pamphlet he picked up. So he, she... Well, um, you she know pro- she counts those pamphlets. <laughs> she probably puts five out of each. And if there's four in one, she's like, all right, I've got this one on lock. 
<laughs> As an OCD person, that's what I would do. <laughs> but you know what I thought was interesting in the wiki, which I don't know if this is correct. The wiki says that Kurt was new to McKinley after transferring from another school. Like that he was new as a sophomore? Sort no. of explaining why he doesn't have any friends, but that just seems wrong. No, That's I mean, that'd be wrong. I'm watching the, the episode while we do this, so it doesn't okay. say anything like that. Okay. That's what yes. I thought. Yeah. So no. it is weird well, that he's a freshman. It's a, he does say, you know, new year, new school, as in this is high school compared to like, you know, being a freshman. And I know some people's freshmen build, are, living, are in another building when they go to school, or, you know, sometimes middle school has the ninth grade. Um, yeah, you know what? I, could, may, I hadn't even thought about how McKinley might be a, more of a senior high school that's just 10, 11, 12. And, which and, is because some Artie and, schools and that do Tina that. are freshmen, though. <laughs> so never mind. <laughs> oh, good point. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. Yeah, but it's Glee. Shrug. It just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. He didn't, because he talks about what Figan said to them when he was a freshman. Okay. About how yeah, that's right. So he was there as a freshman. Yeah. Weird. Well, I real I realize their sentiment and what they're attempting to do with um, the character in terms of like pointing out all of these things, but it's like I don't know. It's hard. It's hard when you put season six Kurt into season one Kurt's clothes and be like nobody noticed him. Hmm. People would have people would have noticed him anyway because he doesn't dress like everybody else. But I just he's there's not an under the radar kind of situation. Well, no, and even in the season one, he talked about the reason he wore those clothes was that if he could he could be noticed. Um, yeah, I think it's I interesting mean, that um, that well, we'll get there anyway. Yeah. I'll show okay, that's no, okay. <laughs> Um, so what we have, uh, Bert and Emma in the, and I like how they, they have kind of two different conversations in the scene where she's talking about suicide and he's talking about being gay and yeah. like, yeah, but it, it's a good scene between the two of them. And this gets Bert to, um, uh, talk to Kurt and, you know, we get the return of Kurt's basement bedroom with that weird mm-hmm. egg chair and everything and everything's white again. I um, love the Kurt and Bert stuff that they put into 2009. I mean, I think mm. that it worked, it worked really well. It was super interesting to see them slot back into that old dynamic. And I love all the callbacks to like, he's, he's sewing his single ladies outfit. Mm-hmm. He's got mm-hmm. the basement. Like there's all these little things and little things that the actors both do um, to really bring you back to a particular place. It's just, and you know, like I love the Hummels anyway, but it was just like all of their scenes were, wonderful in that same way yeah that dynamic that they had in early season one where they're just not able to talk to each other very well because they haven't you know gotten through some of the issues there so yeah and i like that they have they have that moment in the basement where it's it is very silent there's not a lot said um and so you can understand for kurt like he has all remember he has all those fears that his dad's going to disown him but even in that moment in the basement where they're together, you get a sense that like they re- that both of them really truly care about each other. They just kind of don't know how to bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they did that really. They revisited that really smartly in two thousand nine. Yeah. 
I love that Bert starts, you know, he's like, I don't, Kurt, I don't want to talk about this any more than you do. And it just takes me straight back to the talking sexy. <laughs> like, this is going to suck for yes. both of us. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and then, you know, he says that, you know, you do your thing, I do mine. Which kind of comes back into play at the end of season one and things like that. Um, mm. But it's really, really cool to watch. Yeah. I mean, if there's anything that Glee got right, it's the Hummels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. All right. So we get a move on to um, the the part where he meets Rachel, and this is clearly not the first time they've ever met. I mean, he knows who she is, and she's doing all her little posters, and she's got glitter everywhere, and he wants to join something, and um, she's like, "You can't join anything <laughs> except for Glee Club." And um, I remember an interview that Leah Michelle did about this episode where she said she had forgotten how much Rachel spoke. So, like, there are these long monologues of, like, text where she's saying things really, really fastly and a lot. And she had to get back into that. And this is one of those scenes that stands out because she says things, like, in an, an entire sentence. Is like She just steamrollers over, over everyone. And I love watching her make those posters because she's just, like, really aggressively stamping her markers on the posters because she's just so, like, serious and focused the whole time. Oh, and it's kind of funny because I feel like I've forgotten that Rachel was like that back in season yeah. one. And it and it kind of reminds me of, like, I, I don't give Leah Michelle enough credit for being a comedic actress, but she's pretty good at comedy. And she was yeah. really great in season one when they gave her, like, all of this really good material to do. She's great so, in this episode. I'm just yeah. sort of this comment, like, peak Rachel from season one is hilarious. Like, she's, that's the Rachel we love to watch. She's mm-hmm. just... I miss season one, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. Season and, one, uh, Rachel was my favorite. Yeah. She was just so, so funny and so real. And it was, it was good. Um, so, yeah. So, she's doing the poster and, and Kurt's, like, wanting to join... And I really, Rachel steals the scene from Kurt from on this one. I think she she, she did a great job on this one. Um, and then they, I love, I love when she says that Mr. Schuster looks like a hot older Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> and Kurt's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he doesn't take Spanish. He takes no, French. Never seen. He takes French. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's just funny to me for some reason. Okay. But I also like that he's watched her MySpace performance. Oh, that's right. Like, I like that he knows about Rachel and he knows about Mercedes. Yes. Because he searched he, both of them out. And I think love he was the one three that, together. Do you reckon he was the one that told Rachel to that she should audition for American Idol in the original <laughs> part script? I oh my god, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, it wouldn't because it would have been Rajesh. But, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So we never had. Okay. All right. Um, but, yeah, so I, I enjoy the little the, the play <coughs> on the relationship that's going to be between those three and the relationships that we see between Tina and Artie. I thought that they did those really well. So let's talk about popular. Um, the, the funniest thing, kind of to your point that you were saying earlier about Kurt being in clothes again, that he wore in the pilot, he's wearing the infamous (laughs) sunglasses (laughs) (laughs) and he's so much broader in the chest and shoulders now that it, (laughs) 
<laughs> have you seen the side by side pictures of that? No, it's like I that. I think they use the exact same shirt too. Like they didn't even size it up because originally oh you know, he's got the t-shirts on and it's like baggy on him, and then they show him in 2009 and it's like very fitted and he's like four inches taller. It's oh my hilarious. god! Yeah, <laughs> so as a pervert, I'm a fan. <laughs> Well, and it's just funny because if you remember in the pilot, he's kind of this like, I think that's another thing you can't, no matter what he can do, I mean, no matter how hard he does the original Kurt stuff, he can't go back to being that like, what he was in the pilot and that first time that we saw him slinking to the, the, write his name on there. And there's just a distinct like, depressed teenager look that Chris did that just, I just don't, you just can't recreate that. I don't um, know. I mean, I think a lot of it is there. So, but yeah, let's talk about popular because this uh, particular performance cracks me up. I think it's adorable to take a song from wicked, which was, you know, their first duet was from wicked. Um, a song that really fits the two of them uh, where they are able to play off each other. They sound great. It's comedic. Um, I just really love this performance. Yeah, I love that they make it a duet. I love all the stuff they do with the staging of it. Um, it's such a great pre-Hummelberry kind of thing. I mean, the Wicked callback is perfect anyway. Uh, and I love the delusion that Rachel is popular. <laughs> <laughs> and that she's going to help him. Oh, when I think man. in the last scene, do they have like spaghetti thrown on them or something? Yeah, in the cafeteria room, they they have um, spaghetti thrown on them. Yeah, that's nasty. <sighs> but yeah, so it it is. She also has a bedazzled boombox. She does. <laughs> she's Rachel. I love Rachel. <laughs> All this kind of Rachel is so she's so appealing because she's just insane. Um, but. You're sort of rooting for her because you know that she's she's not right. <laughs> I love the ending when they do the like little hand thing and they're trying to like outshine each other, kind of the way they did in um, Ding Dong, which is dead. Uh, oh, but it's yeah. a little more oh, exaggerated. Or when they step into the spotlight. Yeah, because <laughs> someone else controls the spotlight, not them. But they <laughs> act like it's like somehow automatic for them. That was great. Oh my goodness. And yeah. then there's the ending part of it where um where um she's like he's like, Oh yeah, we're gonna be like BFF and she's like, No, you know, stars <laughs> are shine bright, but they're alone. And it's uh, the way she delivers the lines, it's a lot like in the beginning where she's like, There's nothing ironic about show choir. Mm-hmm. Um she's got that same kind of energy about it. Well, she hasn't learned the lesson of friendship. That she barely learns by the time season five and six show up. <laughs> it's true. Oh. But she's especially uh, that way. Um, but yeah, this is the this is the last Hummelberry duet. Um, this is, you know, when the last time Kurt sings on the show. It's just and it's you know, he hasn't really sang on in the season. So to give him a nice great Broadway number to end on mostly. Is really nice. It's a nice thing. Yeah. I, lo- I love it when they do Wicked. I think the two of them are so, like, they're both so totally in love with it. And they, it fits really well. They can perform them really well. And even the ways that they change around the numbers. And it's like a wonderful little cabaret of these two people 
like reinventing this thing. And I like if I could see them do that live. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. (laughs) Maybe in 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) That would be an interesting thing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so when um, Rachel turns him down, he goes then to Mercedes Jones. Um, I love Mercedes in this episode. She's so good. Uh, And, yeah, basically he had heard, um, you know, she sings. Apparently uh, there's enough, you know, talk in this school that it gets around that she's a great singer in her church choir. And so he was hoping that she'd give him lessons. And she'll take him on. She's like, yeah, let's do this, I, you know. I'm going to help you out. You got to tone down your style. It's a great juxtaposition of the two different kinds of friendships about how there's the competitive Humbleberry friendship. And then there's the supportive, nurturing Kurtzadies friendship. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there's things that I like about both of them in the ways that they push the different characters, but I love how, how much he already cares for her and how responsive she is to someone noticing that and appreciating that and like they both just kind of like lift each other up uh and they're adorable in their 2009 outfits she doesn't like a pink hat (laughs) does she wear those at some point sorry i think the callback to what she wears in the pilot is like later on she has a headband on with like really intense curls Mm, okay she it's like we're seeing Mercedes is the one that starts giving Kurt his confidence. That he's getting her his confidence from her, um, and it's yeah the start of a beautiful friendship <laughs> that we should have had more of. Always, <laughs> and and in a way, this is kind of the show going back to the friendship too, because since we're having it at the end, but like it's also saying, hey, we didn't, you know, even though we totally pushed Mercedes off the stage. Um, we didn't really forget that this friendship meant something and, and wanted to showcase it a little bit here. So, yeah, I like that they revisit the thing, the points that they think matter the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was happy to see this one in here. Yeah. I mean, it's a a lot of, you know, yeah. What did we not see in the original pilot, but also like, let's revisit points that we feel are relevant. I don't know if, well, except for the Sue Will thing that we'll get to much later. I don't know if there's anything in here that I'm like, well, this seemed gratuitous or unnecessary or et cetera, et cetera. So. It all feels, apart from the Will and Sue stuff, it all feels like it fits, it, like it would fit seamlessly into the, that existing episode. Um, yeah. All right. So then we get, we get another point of view on um, Kurt's audition. Um Oh, I yeah. So I have to shoot that from the back, and that they don't use any of the original footage because it just would have been so glaringly obvious in the change. I wonder if it's the original. Oh yeah, it would definitely. I wonder though if originally if it was. Um, um, I'm sorry. I wonder if they used the original track though. Like I, I don't know if they had him re-record that. Well, let's go to the wiki. <laughs> Which said he moved to a different school, so who knows? Oh, that doesn't really say anything. Um, But yeah, I I think it's kind of a cool perspective because it does, like, through the lighting and angles and whatever, it does make him look a lot more like he did back then. Well, we also, Um, we don't need to watch the same things over and over again. Like, we don't need to watch um, 
thing. We don't need to see performances that we saw in the pilot the exact same way. So I like the way that they did what they did with the way that they did the auditions. Um, mm-hmm. Because it wasn't like, oh, yep, we're going to see this, like, going to hit the nostalgia button so hard that we're just going to basically repeat it. Well, and also they're going to basically take Don't Stop Believing in a recut entirety from the original. So they probably didn't want to do that too much anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Because then otherwise it would just feel like a clip show and (laughs) that would be horrible. (laughs) (laughs) That would not be good. Um, Mel could make a much better clip show. She could. Than they would. <laughs> she most definitely could. Um, can we not, talk? Not a show from Glee, did we? No. Well, at that point, I think shows had gotten out of doing that. I mean, with rewatchability, mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of faded out with the nineties. Yeah. Like. Um. But then we get. Uh, let's talk about Will's list here. Uh, excellent <laughs> breath work. Not <laughs> excellent <laughs> breath control. Excellent breath work. Um, impressive range. Ear-piercing falsetto, which, no, that's not falsetto, but that's fine, Well, And Will uh, doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> gay, because from, you know, no straight boy is going to be able to sing like that. <laughs> it's gay with a question mark, and then he crosses out the question mark. <laughs> yeah, when he hits the high note. Okay. <laughs> God, no. Also, I mean, he does have on that outfit. What does that have to do with being in choir? <laughs> and then nothing. He says, nothing. Well, but he does write sweet like, kid at the end. This guy's this guy will be better than a lot of the straight kids because that's probably true. Oh. He's probably does homework at least. Oh, jeez. Um, but sweet kid, and yeah. we all know that he's a sweet kid. All right, so then but I don't think get... that. I feel like that's retcon with Will. Like Will's yeah. not that nice. He didn't notice it. Mm-mm. Stop. Stop. That's not. No. <laughs> They're trying to redeem Will a little bit. I don't know. They try hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, Poor Matthew Morrison got stuck in a trailer for the past six years. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised Will didn't get a... Well, I guess he did get to sing in the pilot, but... Um, so, um, yeah, then we get... Um, this uh, scene in the in, in Hummel, Tire, and Lube. And... Kurt's really excited. He's wearing his um, uh, oh. red plaid oh. sweater thing that he did in Born This Way when he declares himself. He and literally skips into the garage in this scene. He's like skipping. <laughs> and I love when I love the line about Beyonce and the line. Like, of- <laughs> Bert's like, "Who is that? A girl from your class?" And <laughs> I think he's just defeated and confounded. He's like, she's like the biggest pop star in the the world. Like, <laughs> like I don't even. Maybe we can't talk anymore, Dad. Maybe this is it. <laughs> oh man! But this scene just hits it so well because you know they have the and Bert's excited for Kurt and Kurt's really excited about being a part of this team, and yet we still have that like twist of. Yeah, this is 2009. He's not out yet. And as Bert leaves and, and Kurt's like, you know, in an inner voice, you know, I'm gay. And, oh, man. Like, still scared that, you know, he's like, Dad, just please love me. I'm gay. Yeah. I love that he, it's like, you can tell that he, they're having this moment. He he doesn't want to ruin the moment. Um, I don't know. It's just really sweetly done. They also have yet another hair fail. 
<laughs> yeah, it is really bad in the scene. Yeah, this one, I'm, I'm looking at the the video for this right now, and this is absolutely like you have so much thick hair. We're we're trying to make it stay down. I wonder just, if this is one of the first happening. scenes that they shot, and because after that, and then they're like, oh, okay, this is not working with the hair. Yeah. So. Um. So yeah, that's the first. The am I echoing? I'm sorry if I'm echoing. I don't um, echo. Okay, cool. Oh, I hear it. Hello. It's my, fine. Maybe I, nobody else will hear it. Mine keeps <laughs> dropping out because my internet is a piece of shit. Oh, oh you should come to California. We have all the best tech. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. I mean, stuck here on the East Coast, we we're lucky that lightning comes, and that's what powers it. <laughs> No, I've been on the I've been on the east coast of the US. Your internet is far superior to the internet that is in Australia. Ours is awful. Um. We're, we're so much better than California. Um, on the east coast. Maybe we don't have mudslides. I was like, okay, we coast. had one one time. <laughs> we had a lot. One time. Yeah, it was really bad. It was really really bad. Hmm. And things don't uh, catch fire here. Admittedly, they flood, but yeah. they don't catch fire. It's water. <laughs> what what harm has water ever done? <laughs> None whatsoever. Absolutely not. Oh. All right, time to talk to Miss Talk. Oh gosh, time for me yeah. to learn how to talk. Uh, time for Miss Mercedes Jones. And uh, you know, the cool thing about this is that here she is. She seemingly has all of this confidence, but it's really an outer shell because she's very sensitive about things and very unsure of herself, especially when Rachel comes along and Rachel's like a whirlwind of like, hey, let's, you know, bond. I have a, a black dad. And oh, <laughs> oh, my God. I do love the use of Matt Rutherford. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That one, she's like, that one there's just that one boring. other one. <laughs> she's like, hi. And she's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was so glad that they brought him back for that. That was amazing. Just for that. Oh, my God. Well, good thing there's a nice sport about it, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Rachel comes in, and she, Rachel's obviously insecure about the whole thing because she's like, I'm going to try and bond on this, and it's really, you know, a... Um, facade because Rachel has her own agenda and Mercedes can see that and and because she literally is like I'm gonna come to your church choir and see how wonderful you are and Mercedes is like God <laughs> um but then we get her singing in choir and I mean just really showing off how how wonderful Amber Riley can sing because the girl is amazing she should travel with a church choir behind her at all times. <laughs> I mean, she can um, sing anything, but I just, I love her with a church choir. I don't even like church choirs that much. <laughs> on that on that scene with her at the locker just before, like, I didn't see it as 100% Rachel trying to manipulate her and things like that. Obviously, yeah, she's trying to suss things out, but sort of I got those a vibe from that scene is that these two characters just really needed to be allowed to be friends throughout the whole series. Like yeah. it would have been so much better if they, you know, they're mm -hmm. having that 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 idea of competition, but having them support each other through it rather than having 
to have them fight through it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of I kind of got from from these scenes with Rachel here and at the church and things like that that she really was trying to to be kind to Mercedes. She was trying to make a friend. Um that yeah, she wasn't one hundred percent going out as a way to try and undermine her. Oh, yeah, I think it's it's complex in that Rachel doesn't know how to socialize very well. Yeah, she doesn't. She's trying to do, I mean, she is trying to suss out the competition, but she's also like, well, you know, maybe we can do this and then maybe she can help me, you know, promote me. And then, you know, maybe it'll be fine. And and she just misses the fact that she tramples over people, but she is also very lonely and she does see somebody who is legitimately like her. Um, in Mercedes. Yeah. So. Because, you know, I think the comment to Mercedes about, you you know, you're going to be this big R&B star wasn't attempted a genuine compliment um, that wasn't received as was intended because of the way that it was communicated. But, yeah, um, I mean, but there's also, it is also very, I don't know, I don't know if this is a right interpretation or not, and if it's just not my place, you guys can tell me to, like, cut this. But, like, it also seemed racially coded too. Like, you're oh, yeah. awesome I with think that, that, yeah. I think that throughout the Mercedes storyline in 2009, they attempt to address the, well, I'm going to call them microaggressions, but a lot of them are beyond that. The many, many microaggressions of Glee over the years. And they try and sort of rewrite it in a way where to make it seem like the people who are doing them aren't as bad. I mean, she has that whole conversation with her mom where her mom is like, you know, you gotta, you're going to have a different kind of path and you have, to, you have to be forgiving of some of the awfulness because that's what you're dealt, um, yeah. which feels like it rings very true about something that someone would say, but also at the same time is so frustrating to have to watch her go through and then remember everything that she's gone through for the past six seasons mm-hmm. and to feel like it was anything near fair or appropriate or even okay most of the time right Um, and glee really over the years had handled issues with race pretty terribly across the board um but they sort of attempt in this one to walk back some of it in a way and try and just like maybe at least try and say like we recognize what we did there a little bit (laughs) My my one thing about that scene with her mom, though, um, which we might as well talk about right now, um, is that she also says, well, maybe Rachel needs this right now. And I'm like, that feels like an unfair thing to tell Mercedes, who yeah, is already going to have a, a hard time. No, it's... It, it's yeah. Well, it's not the first time that the show has used thing. that before. They 100% did that to Tina mm-hmm. in, yeah. the, I mean, they, in the episode where they, you know have her aneurysm or whatnot um that's just what the show does with rachel yeah with all of the characters and a lot of those characters happen to be characters of color uh which compounds the awfulness of it because like maybe maybe it is rachel's time but maybe it's mercedes time too like Yeah. yeah Because the thing is, it never is Mercedes' time. Like, we watch no, this. Right. We this Everything speech, we good she has, she creates on her own. And we know never that that's time, never, but Rachel. It's always, yeah. It's always going to be yeah. Rachel. Um, All right. It never will be her time until she leaves McKinley and goes and forges forges her own path. 
Okay, so I'm going to just take a second and I'm going to go to the bathroom. So I'll be right back. I'm sorry. Bathroom break. (coughs) I feel so utterly unprepared. I have not watched this episode since it first aired. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to sit here in my corner. It's like, I have nothing of value to contribute because I don't remember what we're talking about. Just every now and then, just shout out Cooper. Do you know what would have really made this episode? Cooper Anderson. (laughs) I'm going to point while I say it just to make sure that everybody knows that I'm serious because a man in a dress is dead. (laughs) Man, I'm I'm awake over here in the corner. I just have nothing of value to add because I don't remember any of this episode. (laughs) Okay, I'm back. Um. Just one thing to add about Rachel going to Mercedes Church, the fact that the church is, like, nearly empty, but she chooses to sit directly next to somebody in the pews. It's like, oh, you're, yeah, that, girl. you're that yeah. person, you know, on a train that sits next to somebody when there's empty seats elsewhere. It's like, you don't do that. Gosh, I'm the opposite. I'm like, go away. <laughs> yeah, I think Rachel's, like, trying, failing at blending in. <laughs> Like, she thinks she's trying to be friendly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. She's really trying. She is trying. She is. They're in her eyebrows. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't do some fucked up shit. (laughs) Eyebrows distract me through this whole episode. Yeah. I don't know what they did to them, but it's just like, I can't stop looking at them whenever it's on their face. Gonna have to take a look and see like something from the actual pilot, something from like the finale, and when you look at this one, when you look at the footage from from Don't Stop Believing, you can see that they're trying to emulate her eyebrows from from back then, but because of I don't know, uh, it doesn't work. (laughs) The way she looks in the pilot matches really well. I'm sorry, the way she looks in 2009 matches really well with how she looks in that scene in the pilot where she's on the bleachers talking about being a part of something special makes you special. Like that's mm-hmm. the look that they're yeah. well, aside from the obvious one where she's got on like the vest and the tie and the pearls and all that. Yes. Silliness. Um, but they, they match that, you know, as well as they can. And maybe their eyebrow chic was different. I don't know. Well, I feel like, yeah, I like, yeah, it just doesn't work. <laughs> All right, so kind of switching gears and talking about Tina, and I, you know, I'm, I actually think Tina does, a, I think Jenna Oshkowitz, Oshkowitz does a great job here. She has this whole monologue, the inner monologue about how she's goth because she doesn't want to be part of the cliques and like. We are the anti-clique. <laughs> And she's so funny. I mean, where's this Tina Benton? Because this is a great performance and it's a very comedic performance and really tells us a lot about Tina. And I'm like, why? Why was she not written like this? <laughs> That's just my two cents. It's because what we're getting is all the stuff we'd hope to see. Like, this is the, and I do much like what they did with um, Kurt and Mercedes. I love what they explored with Tina and Artie's relationship. I like that they gave them that depth. I feel like these characters really earned it. Um, and it was cool to see them uh, getting to play it out again in the pilot. Yeah. Or 2009. What show are we watching? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's kind of funny because there's something that I noticed while watching this earlier. Like, she does a great job where 
Artie is a little bit like maybe it's just his speech, but it's a little it feels a little forced and not as natural. And but he's like the way she looks at me and it's so wonderful. But I don't know. It's just probably me nitpicking. So, um, but it is the two of them together. Like you get to see why they're friends in the first place. You know, yeah. they are part of this other like this goth thing with like is there a guy that's a furry in this <laughs> no because no, he they get dumped with the spaghetti they get dumped on it and the friend's like rachel had it coming for not recognizing my true form and <laughs> and then it flashes back to him wearing this tail and rachel's like his werewolf heritage is not a real ethnicity and i'm allergic to whatever roadkill he used to oh, make oh it's probably a twilight joke so that's funny <laughs> Because it's 2009. <laughs> Someone's a furry. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, our, our, the girl looks really familiar. The other god girl. She's from Arrow. Oh, she starred no, on Arrow. She's on a different show. <laughs> and she starred on. Was she on this? The TV series Scream. Oh, I, I didn't watch that. I know she was on Arrow. Oh, I have to say there is a really hilarious moment as they, they get the spaghetti dumped on them and as Kurt walks by, he like glares at them as he walks <laughs> Oh man. But um yeah, so they're basically dared. Um Tina and, and um Artie are basically dared to join Glee Club. And so they do. And we get another performance of Tina's I Kissed a Girl. She gets to finish it. She gets to yeah. finish it. And then um, right afterwards, we get Artie doing the, I want to ride a pony thing or whatever it's called. It's called Pony. pony. And it is the perfect song for him. I'm sorry. You thought that pony was I want to ride a pony? (laughs) (laughs) I did. You can make fun of me for that. That's fine. Like, I, I don't know what it really had no idea okay. what you were talking about until Sparky <laughs> pops up with, like, it's Pony. It was like, oh, my God, this is how you're describing Pony. I'm so So, sorry. sometimes when two people love each other very much. <laughs> it's like riding a pony. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, that song is awful in some ways and hilarious in some ways. It's a, it's a perfect choice for him. I mean, it's just, like, it is. epically wonderful Party. I also can't hear that song without thinking that it's supposed to be talking about Lil Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Genuine <laughs> is Donna's cousin, and he will always be my pony. <laughs> We've now moved into the Parks and Rec portion of this review. <laughs> The idea of I mean, you part. know, kudos to Kevin McHale for not aging at all. Looking That's true. Insane. He really does not look um, different. Doing his Is best that... to not move his legs during this performance. Yeah. <laughs> he used, season one, moved his legs a lot. Um, but I just, yeah, I mean, I think it's because we had gotten the tested episode with Artie. I feel much more okay with his pony performance because... He has come to a certain point. He's also been taken down a peg. It's pretty, like, he's just, he has, like, this incredible swagger. Um, It's interesting to me that nobody sees him as a leading man, uh, because you'd think the kinds of things that he's doing are exactly what uh, Mr. Shu would think is great. Maybe Mr. Shu's just horribly able. However, probably so. This is his attempt at a joke. He's doing this as a joke. 
That's true. They're, they're, they're auditioning as a dare, so he's gone in with Pony. Um, Except you, that it's perfect it's, for him. It's perfect for him. The whole idea of Pony cracks me up. Years and years ago, um, me as a teacher and one of the students at school who used to do like all the singing at assembly and stuff, we and a couple of other teachers came up with a list of what we called the inappropriate repertoire of like <laughs> songs that if she was to get up and start singing, how long into the song would it take for the principal to get up and stop the performance? Wow. <laughs> so this it's is like, like season one. And and Pony, Pony was on, you know, we had my neck, my back, um, there was a few other ones, and, <laughs> and, Pony, and Pony was on the list, and so when this came out, I just, I lost it, because I think I still had the list on my phone, like, I mean, this is back from, like, 2009, 2010, that we I mean, it's like Sister list. Michael's list from Dairy Girls, you have to throw another show out there. <laughs> I've only watched one episode of that, but I like it. Oh, oh my yeah. God, it's so good. Yeah. Dairy Girls are good. But yeah, no, it's the whole pony thing is hilarious. It cracks me up when he's like gesturing to himself, like my pony. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I believe it's called "I want." We want to ride the. Po- what did you say? <laughs> I want to ride the pony. I want the, to pony ride the pony is his penis. The pony, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <sighs> oh, like the. <gasps> oh. That's like Emma with Afternoon Delight. That was great. <laughs> I know what it is about. I just maybe, maybe. Yes, I did. Are just you a, sure? Yeah. It's about riding little horses. I right? lead a very sheltered life. And I, I just do. want to make sure that you are aware that everything is referring to a penis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you I'm ever have a question assumed. about what a song is about, about a penis. <laughs> Sometimes okay. but sometimes but yeah. I feel like Artie needed to be with the with the warblers when they sang whistle. Oh my god. He must have <laughs> loved that. <laughs> oh man. Okay. They should have so, done Tony. Um school blazers. <laughs> so because, and that would have provided the perfect opportunity for Cooper to come back and leave them in that. <laughs> As he did on Magic Mike. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what movie did I just watch that it was like Cooper would have directed this? Oh, I think it was the 90s Batman movies. I'm like, Cooper. We're talking about Batman Forever. Yes. <laughs> and Batman and Robin. Instead of Joel Shoemaker, it was definitely Cooper Anderson. Okay. Well, I, I have I just no re- shame that I enjoyed those movies when they came out, bat nipples and all. <laughs> That doesn't even seem like the worst part. They were just campy and silly. So Yeah, they were amazing to like twelve year old me. However <laughs> old I was when they came I out. will say this. I saw the next one in that series, the one where George Clooney is Batman. Yeah. I Batman saw that one in the theater in Germany in German. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> amazing. So much I better will. than in English. I just thought that, you know. Chris O'Donnell was a cutie. Ugh. Well, yeah, who didn't back then? Ugh, me. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> There's the age difference. <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyway. So, in case we wondered what Will thought of Tina and Artie, um, Will thought that Tina was edgy, has good energy, and angry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. All true. 
Um, and then Will says of Artie, go back. Um, I think he wrote down needs ramps. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Needs Did he write down anything else? Great voice. Great voice. So full needs ramps and circling needs ramps. Yeah, you got to fucking get those right because they don't have them. <laughs> they don't. So. McKinley does not have those. All right. And then we go into our first Glee Club meeting and they're all dressed the way they were when they were doing... Um, uh, oh, this is when we get the re-performance of Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat. They don't actually I, do it, though. No, that's right, because no, Rachel I'm watching a video of it right now, and Kurt is Are huge. Sh- sure it's not from, like, Goodbye? See. No, maybe it's not. I thought there was one where they did there, some of it. Maybe they yeah, just played goodbye. the music. Like, in the end of season three, they did it. They redid it. I'll take a look. They did not. I'm watching the What is this right thumbnail now? I'm seeing where Kurt is too big? It sounds like a question for the Google. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they must just had them in the outfits. Yeah, yeah, they're in the same outfits. And this is where he's uh, Will's like, who wants to do a solo? And, oh, who wants to be Sandy and um, Mercedes and Rachel and Kurt? Raise their hands. Right. Um, I love Kurt's timid, like, half raise of the hand. It's great. Oh, my gosh. And then this is where Rachel just can't handle anybody else because, you know, it's... Rachel's like, I'm going to do it. And then tells Mercedes that she can't. And Mercedes is like, why? Because you're, you know, you're white or I'm, I'm black and you're white. And then so Rachel goes off on this whole thing. And then you're just. The rant with her gestures as she's saying it. It's like, oh my God. (sighs) Yeah. It's kind of, that's the thing about the way Glee does this sometimes. It's like one step forward, two step backwards. They're acknowledging it and yet they're still. Yeah, all the time. Um, they're still falling into their own traps. So, but they can't um, all be Sandy. Sorry, Kurt, not you either. No. But it was cute yeah. when he raised his hand yeah. timidly. All right. So then we get this is funny since we just read this the pilot scripts. <laughs> get the scene with Will and Terry. And there's a vacuum running, <laughs> and it reminds me of that bit that it's cut from the pilot, where she's just like something about like somebody's vacuuming, and there's a whole exchange about somebody vacuuming. It's like Terry; she tells him she's like, "Don't forget to do the vacuuming." Like she tells Will to do the vacuuming. Yeah, yeah. So there's a vacuum; it's just going, and yeah, it's more Will and Terry. And mm-hmm. Will's like going on about Glee Club, and Terry's like, "You're ignoring me." Oh, and the one of the things that really stuck out to me, she basically says, "Give the solos to whichever one of them is more pathetic." So does then Rachel? Like, does then Will think that Rachel's pathetic, and that's and he actually yeah. takes her? He does because that's when he decides after she gets the slushy to the face, he decides to give her the lead. <laughs> so he tells Terry. Solid <laughs> Glee Club leader strategy. The other really funny part about this is that at the very beginning in the first season, they were very not for, you know, your first love thing because Will and Terry had such a bad relationship and they're like, but you were my first love and we grew up together and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, but then their marriage is horrible and whatever. And they kind of reiterate that here, but it's hilarious to me. Juxt, uh, um, juxtaposed against all of the 
all of the couples that have been like, you're my first love. And we just had this big wedding episode where Kurt and Blaine and Rachel, not Rachel, Santana and Brittany were like, you know, we've been in love forever and we'll be in love, you know, we're like, since whatever, blah, blah, blah. It just, Nothing changes. Yeah. <laughs> People don't Sorry. grow. Nope. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> it's like, oh, Glee. Uh, pick a lane. <laughs> we'll. We'll say to her, you are the love of my life and nothing is going to take you away from me. Yeah. It could be a fake pregnancy, uh, the school guidance counselor. Um, <laughs> but it's so cringy. Like, we all, like, we accept it with Clayne, even though, like, I agree. Like, you know, I could have gotten off. You know, they didn't need to push the first love stuff so hard. And also the first person you slept with stuff so hard. They do that a lot in the show. Um because you get this perfect example of, like, this is why it doesn't work most of the time with Will and Terry. It just, I don't know, it just makes well, me Well, when you loop back and you think about Finchel, the, the reason Will and Terry don't work is because they are fundamentally different people with different goals and different dreams. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, ergo, had Finchel moved that far into the future, they probably would have been there, too. Yeah. Except for Finchel was supposed to be their epic, most romantic love story on the show. Maybe they're just trying to fix everything that Will did wrong. (laughs) Oh, man. So, anyway. um, So, then we get Rachel. You know, she just demands that she gets the first love solo. And this is right before she gets the sheep to the face. Mm -hmm. Well, she's talking about male lead. She's she's compiled a list of candidates on their yearbook photos. This is who she wants. (laughs) Not about how they sing. But again, don't you know yeah. if she gets a sheen of face and Will just stands there and goes, oh, are you okay? Uh, How are you doing? Like, yeah, he's like, oh, my God, what just He doesn't, like, chase them down or tell them to stop. Like, he's just like, classic Will. Classic Will. throwing. <laughs> like, oh, my God. He just stands there. There's this look on his face. I was like, dude. So, yeah. Man. That's his heart. <sighs> So um, then we get the scene that we were talking about a little bit earlier, the setup for it, um, where Will is like, okay, Rachel's going to, you know, have the first solo. And of course, Mercedes is like, of course she is because she's white. And then we get the lead into, you know, obviously, and, and as she should be, Mercedes is really upset about that. Um, and then that's when she talks to her mom about that. Before that, though, they're like yelling about having a sing off, and Will's like, We're not having one, but it might be. But a that's good a idea. great idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Kurt's just in the background, he's got his hands just over his Oh, that's like, right. Because the return, oh return of the exaggerated background is hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. So. Yeah. And then, yeah, then we get the scene where they try and backpedal and be like, It's bad, but it's not that bad. With Mercedes and her mom. And it's a sweet scene. And I'm glad that they finally let, you know, Mercedes have some parents and have a mom and have somebody that she, in her, in her own world that she could talk to because Mercedes has never really had that. So it is, you know, it's just, I feel like, why couldn't they have done this before? I mean, Mercedes is such a great character that you could have been doing so many things with earlier. It's a shame that you're waiting to the last second to be like, oh, well, we could have, but we didn't. Oh. oh well. Everything is garbage. <laughs> All right. So now we finally get a reintroduction to the character, everybody's favorite list. 
Stu Sylvester. <laughs> Which, okay. Um, this whole thing about Will and Sue and how they used to be friends, like they're playing pick a basketball. And I just don't buy it. I just but they don't. don't. But they're not. Cause he, Will says, like, Sue's like, we're best friends. And Will's like, we don't even talk. We just play basketball <laughs> once a week. Yeah, when I you like watch it. It's, but when you watch the pilot episode, like they have, they have that conversation in the staff room, don't they, with the coffee machine? Like she's ta- like he's engaging. And I'm, yeah, so this is the only scene that doesn't kind of fit in with the existing scenes in the pilot. No, well, you can it's, make it make sense that she thinks they're friends, and he doesn't. And from yeah, that, can, she decides she's going to destroy him because she's yeah. hurt. And I kind of like that. Who can blame her? <laughs> well, and yeah, feel- but it doesn't fit in with the existing what I'm saying is that it doesn't because they do talk they do engage they do banter because we see that in the pilot because mm-hmm. Will's like we don't even really talk we just play basketball once a week that's what he establishes as their friendship which doesn't fit in with the existing pilot no sure. well it doesn't fit in the- with how she feels either yeah. even the tone is different because in the begin, you know Sue is in the first season is legitimately a hilarious character. She's maybe the villain, but she's got some really great one-liners. I mean, every one of her, you think this is hard, try whatever, that that's hard. And and she's <laughs> a, a, a grittier and darker and more biting character that yeah. now we have cartoon Sue, who we've dealt with all season six and a lot of season five and a lot of most of the series. Yeah. And it, it, her, her tone doesn't even... I mean, a lot of these other characters are trying to bring back some of the older tones. I mean, with Terry, it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm right back. But with, with Sue, we've gone so far away that like it just feels awkward. Yeah, and it's like... Um trying to come up with some reason for the for that for like the tension between Sue and Will and it's like I kind of don't need that to me Sue doesn't need a reason to act the way that she does she's better when she has no reason and she's just like causing havoc because she can well and I think Um, they do enough in the first season anyway to show why she would have some issues it's you know Will's a dick I do it to him for fun Like, who yeah. needs a deep reason? We've all been done dirty by some idiot like that. I do I do love with that it ends with the with the oh for tuna, that that score of music, whenever that oh, plays. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's shout out, by the way. They use a lot of I, I call it incidental music scoring, whatever. Um, they use a lot of the same scoring that they did in the the pilot with the a cappella group doing all of the you know, Flight of the Bumblebees or, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, Moonlight Sonata or whatever they're doing. Um, I, it's a nice touch, too, to bring back some of that original sounds of the of the pilot. Um, all right. Then we get a reintroduction to Rachel, who doesn't really need it because she did get a big, you know, introduction in the, in the pilot. But we do get to see her on my own video again, and we get to see her MySpace page again. And the fact that she invested all her butt mitts for money into MySpace. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, um. I mean, she's young and dumb. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then her big plan is that she's going to go talk to Terry at Sheets and Things. And so we get a scene with Terry 
and Howard Bamboo. Shout out to Howard Bamboo, who's a delight coming back. And yeah, it's just awkward. Because <laughs> she's like, please make let Mr. Shu come back. And Terry's like, no. He'll <laughs> <laughs> help me achieve my potential. And Terry's like, why the hell should I care about your potential? Like, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> I love Terry. <laughs> I love Terry. <laughs> oh, man. I think there's just the right amount of Terry in this episode. Like, yeah. So. And then Howard at the end. I've always wanted to be in an all-male acapella. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I like that. I like that. All right. And, okay. So then we get um, we get our lima being seen with Mercedes and Kurt and how they're like Finn has joined. Um, and, you know, Kurt's kind of like, why is this guy, you know, it, it, and this, the whole back and forth, because obviously Kurt has a crush. I like that inner monologue when he's like, it's a great it, little, little like back and forth between them talking about Finn and then him talking to himself in the background. Uh, this uh, is set after, after Finn has come back, like after he's come back and made the suggestion of don't stop believing. Um, I think that's is the it? next scene. Yeah, no, it's the, he says he first he joins, then he quits, then he rejoins, oh, then he right. starts bossing around like where he's slaves. And, we're and this is where they change down. it, where Kurt's like, "I'm going to do the costumes. Don't worry about that," because yeah, um, can, I don't know how he convinced me to make the costumes and things like. So this is after yeah he's gone, and then he's come back, and they're questioning whether they should you know trust him and things like that. Yeah, and, and I like me. that they have Kurt like. Um, He's questioning that, and he's questioning his own judgment yeah. because he know, he understands that he's just as susceptible as Rachel or some other or Will for that matter uh, when yeah. it comes to Finn. Oh man, but that the whole the whole thing I love this scene. I mean, there's a Mercedes and Kurt being adorable in her monologues, and then of course then we get the crossover with Blaine. The um, wild Blaine appears, <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and he. Was got to throw him in there somewhere. I yeah, he wasn't supposed to be in it. He wasn't supposed to be in it. And at last minute, they're like, hey, Darren, we're going to do this little thing. So then we get this little moment of of Warbler Blaine. Um, 2009, Warbler Blaine. But then Darren hasn't changed much. I mean, he looks too old in the scene to be <laughs> that young. But um, He looks too old to be 15, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but he'd be young. He's, he's a fr- oh, yeah, freshman, which is year nine. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. he'd be like 14, 15. Oh. But I love that he's in mentor mode and he's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or is he? I think that guy was covering a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I, well, you know, there's the joke that, all, first of all, all the warblers are gay. <laughs> but also just the fact that, like, it's the return of um, oblivious Blaine, like mentor and also oblivious at the same time. Yeah. And I love that they have Blaine walk behind Kurt just to, like, we did it. Shut up about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, but back to Mercedes and Kurt for just a second, though. I want to say a, a couple other things. I really like how Kurt tries to drag them down, and she's like, don't be dragging us down. Like, don't be saying bad yeah. things about us. We're awesome, which is really pretty awesome. And then yeah. um, there's a little bit of a hint of, of her crush on him 
Yeah. She's like, you're such a cutie. And he's like, uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the outfits that they're wearing in the lima bean scene are the ones that they have on in the pilot. I mean, his is the same. I just can't remember if it's from the same scene because that sweater insanity is from when they're practicing. Um, so, I don't know. I just, I love them. I love This is the, like, why don't you, the two of you have a show on Bravo level Kurt Sadies that I adore. Um so it's pretty great. Yep, exactly. All right, so then we get this scene with the kids in the choir room, and it's Kurt trying to convince um, Tina, Artie, and Mercedes that Finn shouldn't be there. But this is after the porta potty incident of the pilot, so Artie's like, you know, he wasn't that bad. And um, Mercedes is also like, come on, Kurt, we just talked about this. He's not that bad. Um, I, I appreciate the way. That. That's what yeah, she said. Low bar. I appreciate the way that they, um, again, make sense out of why Artie has such hero worship for Finn. Because mm. um, he didn't have any reason to have that. And they put that in there. And I think, I think they did a lot, actually, with Artie's character to make him make a lot more sense. Probably because he didn't have any character for so long. That's probably true. Um, well, unfortunately, these characters were so defined by their stereotypes. I mean, there's wheelchair kid and black girl and Asian girl and gay kid and Rachel. Like, it's, I mean, like, I guess we, we, we kind of skimmed over it, but she's like, it's way in that earlier scene. She's like, it doesn't matter if you're white or black or um, in a wheelchair or whatever you guys are. And points to like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and they were so defined by that and they've become such fleshed out and realized characters so that this is an interesting way to like look back and be like, okay, like this is kind of the writers trying to be like, okay, yeah, this is the way it always was, you know, huh? ignore that first part of it, you know, that, like, not really, but like, or yeah, I'm just trying to, yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, we get, um, Rachel I do speaks. like the way that they, um, without using too much fan footage, they find a way to weave him in there. Yeah, I mean well, they do they do a good job of that. Oh, it wasn't the, yeah when they need to talk about him or like without having somebody have a stand-in of a shot of his back. Well, and know? I think it might have, that scene with um, him pushing Artie, there's a, like, shot back, but it doesn't show his head. I'm guessing that wasn't from the original. I think that was just a scene they redid, and they had somebody that probably looked like Finn, um, because yeah. they previously don't show the head. Yeah, I think that it they, because Artie looks the same. Forced. It doesn't feel forced. Yeah. It doesn't feel fake. Finn feels like a natural part of the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's supposed to be from Artie's yeah. point of view, not Finn's point of view. Right, exactly. Um, and Rachel's speech here is is a lot of it's about it's about them and about saying, "Hey, we have to be inclusive too." And it, I, I don't know. I have conflicting thoughts about it, but um, I'll just take it for the nice, sweet thing that it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. What are your conflicting thoughts? No, well, just, just because, and it doesn't really feel like it in this episode, which is why I'm like kind of ignoring my inner critic. Um, so much of the show is like, Finn is the most wonderful person in the world. And, you know, we all need to aspire to be that, you know, it, he's the, you know, white male hair, 
hero of our story that, you know, is always the hero of the story. And isn't he so special because he isn't like us. He's, you know, normal. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of sidesteps the narrative a little bit because it is like about being inclusive and it is the story. It feels natural to say this kind of stuff within the context of this particular episode that I'm like, I'm just nitpicking and whatever. No, I don't think it's nitpicking. I think it, I think it's them addressing you know, when you look at the show, one of the critical ways you can look at the show is with that frame of mind. And they're trying to talk about it and they're trying to make things make sense for the characters besides this dumb drive of, oh, you know, tall white mm-hmm. dude. Um, which is why I think they try and humanize the relationship between Artie and Finn, among other stuff. Right. All right, so um, we get uh, kind of closing here on the end. We get Figgins and Emma, and we find out that Figgins is the one that gives Emma that that DVD of Will. Because that Emma's would not be on DVD. That would be on VHS, because I can't imagine that McKinley would really care that much to update everything to DVD. That's true. From 1993, yeah. 1993 would be a VHS. Maybe it's and it a would DVD of, of, of like the last 20 years. Maybe somebody, I don't know, probably not. If they're having that many budget problems, probably not. Um, so, yeah. And then we get another scene of Will and Sue where she's like, congratulations on, you know, keeping your Glee Club alive again. And... Again, it feels a little forced, probably because we've seen the scene between them like a million times. So, this is well, it's them saying like, "Here they are. They used to be friends. She got hurt, and so now this is their relationship." True. Yeah. I mean, I guess they feel like they needed to have Jane Lynch do something in this episode. So. Well, I think they needed to address something. Yeah. It. it I don't know. Would it felt weird if she wasn't in it? Yeah, I think so. I think she's a really, she's, I mean, you know, we just read through the pilot and she wasn't in it, which is crazy. Um, That's so weird. But, you know, the the strong role that she plays in the actual pilot, I think it would be strange to not have her. I mean, the other thing that I feel is missing from 2009, and I totally understand why they can't do it, is Carol. Mm. I wanted a little bit of Carol, but there's no place for Carol. No, there's not. Without having her talking to the back of a stand-in's head, you know. Um, But everybody else who matters is there. And Mm. it would be weird to not have Sue. Well, Ken Snarko wasn't there. So I forget that he's there. Yeah, but I mean... But he's not much of an anything. No. I mean, did anyone really miss him? No, probably not. I was more excited to see Howard Bamboo. That's true. <laughs> They're going to bring somebody back. Bring Howard Bamboo. <laughs> oh, man. Howard Bamboo is great. Um, so, yeah, we we get and we, we end on um, footage. It's not the original cut. They used a different cut, but it is the original footage of Don't Stop Believing from the beginning. And uh, how do you guys feel about this? I'm. Oh, sorry, that was my phone. Um, <laughs> I think that it was a perfect thing to do. I Like, you kind of, I still remember watching that episode and when you hear those opening chords and, and it, straight away it's like, I was, I was with a friend and I remember, oh, my God, they're not going, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not. 
Um, and actually sort of starting to tear up a little bit when you realised it was the original footage and Corey was there and Finn was there. And it was exactly the same as watching that moment when you first watched that pilot, that that feeling that you got when you originally saw Don't Stop Believing, which was amazing. Yeah. I think that it was perfect, a perfect way to end it. And it was a, uh, a perfect way to play t- tribute to, to Corey. Um, and... Yeah, it was. It was. It was, awesome. a, it was a good balance of of how they were able to include Corey. I um, I even call this the Corey cut because if you um if you look at this cut compared to the original one, there is a lot more of Finn in it. Um, and I feel like they did try to like you can tell they were trying to highlight him just a little bit more, just so that we could get his presence in there. I mean, not that it wasn't there, but like, yeah. So yeah. But it, it is a perfect way to re-end. And let me throw this out here to you guys. This was originally, they wrote this originally to be the series finale. And then they decided to switch it with Dreams Come True. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think of that decision, I guess? I think that's the right decision. Yeah. I, I think that it that the finale needed to be looking forward looking to where they ended up and things like that. I, I don't, I wouldn't have been, I remember hearing like that when I originally heard the plan that this was going to be the finale thinking I didn't like that, that to be going all the way back didn't feel like a proper finish. Having 2009 and Dreams Come True side by side in the order that they aired, I think was the much better choice. Okay. I agree. I would be opposite just because as a as a trope, I don't I don't enjoy the let's jump, you know, five years into the future and see where everybody ended up. Like I I don't like that as a as a trope. And so my immediate reaction to it is like, ugh. Um and I, I much prefer the full circle aspect of it, of, of ending it the way that 2009 ended. But again, I recognize that I am in the minority of that. <laughs> I mean, I've heard a lot of people say both ways, so I, I don't know if it's in the minority as you might expect. Um, there is something to be said about, you know, I always think of like when shows are in syndication and like when it unceremoniously goes from the last episode of something to the first episode because they're just in the cycle. And how interesting it, it you know, if you had this as a finale, that it would just reset the cycle somewhat seamless seamlessly and start over again as if glee was a loop um i don't know i don't know if i have a coherent thought there but it just i don't know not really the type of show that would do well in syndication probably not i mean do they do i guess they do like on order stuff all the time but, yeah, I think things in syndication are still you... are still aired in order, aren't they? Yeah, I think not always. Um, yeah, I guess it doesn't really. But yeah, that's the episode. Um, Snarky, did you want to say your piece about what you wanted to say last oh, night? The... So I was reflecting on how you know we had done the podcast just yesterday about the <laughs> pilot script. And, you know, things that were better or worse or different. And, you know, you look at where the pilot script ended, which was hopeful and nice versus 
what the actual pilot was with the influence of Sue, the greater use of the Cheerios, all that kind of stuff. There's so much more of a balance of there's a little bit of hope and there's also all this drama like, okay, so Will's getting this thing. He's coming back. He's going to do this thing. It's going to be fun. The kids are having fun, but also looming over them is this other feeling. And I feel like the, what, what they ended up doing versus what was in the actual script was so much stronger in terms of launching a show and actually having a pilot because the way 2009 ends is the same way the pilot ends. Cause it's the same basic footage with that drama of like triumph and challenge. Um, and it's interesting to me that, that, that you know, I, there were, cha- they laid out some challenges mostly between Will and his wife. And that was kind of it. And the show is so much better having challenges that grow out of that and challenges that can affect more of the different characters. You know, that, that leads to a really interesting point in, in the comparison to 2009, which you were saying that, yeah, the pilot said, okay, well, here's Sue, you know, more Sue, and here's an actual adversary, and here's Quinn and Santana and Puck looming over, and here's this, you know, unresolved somewhat sexual tension between, you know, some of our main characters and everything like that. Whereas 2009 is like, even though it's a look back, it's also wrapping up. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. this is where our characters were. Look how far they've come. Look, like, Kurt has actually come out to his dad. You know, Mercedes has become a star. Tina and Artie have done things, too. Like, Rachel has become... (laughs) Done stuff, too. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it's interesting that I never really thought of it this way, but it is an ending as well, even if it does reflect on what became before it, because it, it it says, hey, we know that you've watched this entire series, you know, and we're aware of that. And so it's, it doesn't work as a pilot. Because I know a lot of people are like, I'd really watch this pilot, you know, if it was the actual pilot. And I'm like, but it doesn't really work on it. It works because we've been through these emotional journeys with all of these characters. And we're like, oh, yeah, remember then? Remember that? Remember this? Remember Terry? Remember Howard Bamboo? Like, it wouldn't have worked as as well just on its own. Because we're not really getting an introduction to these characters. We're getting a wrap up on them. Yeah, I mean, I like, I like a, li- I like just enough nostalgia to keep me happy without it feeling tired, and I do feel like for the most part, season the two thousand nine achieved that for me. Um, but maybe at that point, I was at this zen place with Glee, where I was like, "Hey, we get what we get. We got this season six. Everything's pretty okay, you know." Well, I the don't zen know place if- is pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys feel like? Because I don't feel like we got an overabundance of nostalgia in season six itself, because a lot of times during, if a show knows that it's going to end, it's like every other episode is like, remember this, remember that, remember that. And we did get some of it, but it wasn't, you know, just constant. So I feel like doing 2009 was a nice, Hey, we're good. This is the, you know, flashback episode, but it didn't feel overwrought. It didn't feel overwrought. I mean, we did get that like, uh, Dalton era clean, uh, meta angst duet that had flashbacks and non-flashbacks yeah but but there wasn't a ton of it throughout the season because they had started moving forward with that other part of like all these old stories are wrapped up moving forward with other stuff yeah so awesome well guys we i think we just did the penultimate episode of the show means we have one more left Ah, crazy. 
<laughs> it's it's kind of a weird thing, but we are we have we're yeah coming to the end. So um, yeah, I want to thank you guys for joining me on this one. It's been a fun look back. It's been a fun weekend talking about the pilot in 2009 and all the places we have and never went. Um, and um, I want to thank you for hosting one billion podcasts. Mm-hmm. I know you still have a billion more to do. The spreadsheet is there's a lot. There's a lot more fun coming up beyond just the uh, just the the episode finale. recaps. But yeah, I mean, well, a bit great, you know. And and you guys have been so wonderful and snarky, especially you with all of the scheduling. I mean, I don't I've think... been especially wonderful. I... Yes. <laughs> what are we talking about? It's like right. Mel and I are just off in the corner. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> no, because Mel and RB have added such wonderful personality to this podcast that it wouldn't be what it was, what it is, without you guys either. So, um, oh, but um, she wouldn't even know the pony song. People would be sad. <laughs> I mean, I know how much she is happy about wanting to ride the pony song. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was a metaphor. <laughs> I just didn't Tony know the is song. A penis. <laughs> I mean, every time our, I say it, I love it because I imagine it again. <laughs> I don't know if I would be as enlightened if I didn't have RB in my life. So I appreciate her, and she gets. I'm the always star. happy to point out the penis for you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So join us next week. I don't know what we're doing. It'll probably be something fun. <laughs> We'll find out, <laughs> but we will be here next week with something fun and maybe sad a little bit because we are reaching the end. But um, <laughs> God, oh that was a noise. <laughs> but uh, join us next typing. week for when the dying pterodactyl comes. <laughs> <laughs> Popular, Lar, and.